Chapter Nine of Eddie of Jackson's Gang by Brother Ernest Ryan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Nine, in a strange land. In the dark, bare box-car, little Eddie slept on, unconscious at last of all earthly strife. Now and then he felt a jolt which half awakened him, but he was too spent to rouse himself enough to notice that he was fast leaving behind him not only Dad, who had been so cruel to him, but also the good man who planned to take him away from the den of thieves forever. In the course of the night, the car in which he lay had been coupled to a train bound for another station. What would Eddie say when he awoke and found himself speeding off to unknown realms? He had been in strange enough surroundings before, but now the very possibility of meeting any of his acquaintances again was seemingly being taken away from him. Yet God had not forgotten Eddie, neither had the boy forgotten God. Morning dawned, and through the partly open door, a few early sunbeams played upon the bare floor. At last the little sleeper awoke. A moment was enough to give him a sense of his plight. Where was he? Springing to his feet, he made for the door, and the first thought that came to him was to jump from the train. But when he observed with what rapidity it was moving, he sank down again upon the floor to wait until it stopped, or at least slowed down. What a long wait it was! Poor Eddie was very hungry. He had had nothing to eat for dinner the day before, nothing for supper, and now breakfast time had come. At last, hours later, the train began to slacken its speed. Within a very few minutes it had come to a standstill. He looked about him from the door for an instant, and then jumped to the ground. Poor, hungry, homeless Eddie! But yet, in his very troubles, he was like our blessed Saviour, who had no place to lay his head. A short distance away was a church, bearing a cross, and to this the lad turned. He felt sure it was a Catholic church, and that the occupant of a little house next to it was a priest, who would take him in and give him something to eat, and perhaps money enough to return to Logan and his friend, the engineer. He had often heard that a priest will not turn away anyone who asks for help in the name of the Lord and especially when the beggar has no means of earning his own living. And surely Eddie belonged to that class. Pausing a moment at the gate, he surveyed the surroundings, wondering at the last moment whether to bother the priest or not. It was the sense of total emptiness in his stomach which impelled the lad along. So flinging open the gate, he walked up toward the porch between two evenly trimmed rows of barberry. He pushed the bell and waited. Soon the door opened, and a rather stern-looking woman appeared. "'And what do you want, pray tell?' "'Please, lady, I would like to see the priest.' "'You'd like to see the priest, would you? What do you want with him?' "'Well, you see—' "'No, I don't see. It seems that everyone in the town is wanting to see the priest. It's no wonder that he is a wreck of nerves.' "'But I didn't.' "'No, you didn't know, but I'm telling you. You are about the sixth one who's been here this morning. Don't you think Father has anything else to do?' "'Nothing but to take care of those who want me,' came a voice from inside, and before Eddie knew what had happened, he was in the presence of Father Ryan, while the woman seemed to vanish into the background. "'Well, my boy,' the priest went on genially, "'what can I do for you?' "'Well, I, uh, Father, I'm awfully hungry. I haven't any home, any father or mother, and I haven't had anything to eat for a long time. Will you please?' Come in, come in, my boy. Surely you must have something to eat. Come right into the dining room, and I'll give you a good dinner. 
My good cook there is trying her best to protect me. She thinks I'm worked to death. I do have a lot of things to do, but a man is supposed to, isn't he? Well, not too much, father, and I'm sure I wouldn't want to add anything to your work. Now, forget about that. What is your name? I don't believe you told me. My name is Eddie, father. Eddie, that's a fine name, and do you know it's what I used to be called years ago, lad? How the time flies, and what wonderful memories that Eddie recalls. What is your last name? I don't know, father, replied the boy. I don't believe I ever heard it mentioned by anyone. I have never been called anything but Eddie since I can remember. Sister never called me anything else, and it never occurred to me to ask her. Perhaps even she never knew. Father Ryan thought it was not the time for more questions just then. First he must get the child something to eat. That was more important than finding out his history. He could get that at any time. The little lad was not going to rush off for a while at least. I'll go see the cook. Katie, Katie, where are you? I'm out here, your reverence, came the voice that had spoken so severely to Eddie a short time before. But I'll be there in a minute. Don't bother, returned Father Ryan. I'll come out there. I have a little boy here who is badly in need of something to eat. Would it be too much trouble for you to fix something for him? Not at all, Father. Sure, and I took a fancy to the boy as soon as I laid eyes on him. It was a hard thing for me to talk rough to him like I did, but was thinking of you, Father. You have so many things to do, they'll be the death of you. Come, come, Katie, expostulated the priest kindly. Don't be worrying about me. You might get Miss Shearer to help you. She's cleaning upstairs at present. No, I won't need any help, Father. I have plenty of things ready. You leave him to me. Within a few minutes, Eddie was doing justice to the dishes the good cook brought into him. You don't think me a crabby old woman, do you, my boy? Of course he doesn't, Katie, quickly put in Father Ryan. Now eat all you want, Eddie. Don't be afraid. After you have finished, we'll have a long talk. When you are through, you can call me, my boy. I'm going back to work. Leaving the new arrival to himself so he could eat to his heart's content without the embarrassment of being watched, Father Ryan proceeded to his little study to complete the plans for a parish bazaar to be held during the coming week. His parish was a poor one, and he must take special measures for raising the money to keep it up and to support the school. Little did he dream that the unkempt lad in the dining room was going to be of great service to him within the next few days. Eddie would be worth far more than what his few meals would cost, but the good father did not know this. Father, a boy's clear voice sang out, where are you? Eddie had finished his dinner and was awaiting his chance to talk to the priest and try to get from him a second kindness, the money necessary to get back to the friend who intended to be a father to him. Come in here, my lad, said the priest hospitably. I'm working on some plans for a bazaar, a fair. Did you ever go to a fair? I don't know what that is, father, but I haven't been anywhere for a long time, except once on a boat. Eddie's tone became dreamy as he tried to recall an almost vanished picture from his past. And then I lived with Georges, the man who took me on the boat. After that I was at Mount St. Joseph for a while, and last I was with a bad man they called Dad. Well, you've been moved around a lot, my boy. You say you were on a boat. Where was that? I don't know where, for I was very little then, Eddie replied. I just know that I got awfully sick while I was on it. Otherwise, I don't believe I would remember it at all. 
The man I came with said we were going to a new world, but I don't know if this is it or not. You see, I was only about four years old then. I don't remember the name of the town where I lived before then, but it seems to me I had a nice home and a mama, too. She could play the piano and sing just fine. She said she was going to teach me as soon as I could learn, for it would come easy to me. I, I wish I could find my mama. Do you know how I could find her, father? It seems to me that would be a very difficult thing to do, Eddie, since you do not remember where you lived, answered Father Ryan thoughtfully. If we only knew that, it would give us a point of departure, at least. But we may find her yet. At present I am very busy, but I shall do all that I can for you, Eddie. Father Ryan was becoming deeply interested in his young visitor. Eddie was not an ordinary lad, that he realized at once, and it was important that he be properly taken care of. The priest also reflected that one of his parishioners was a secret service man, and that it might be well to have a talk with him about Eddie's case. "'Where is this Mount St. Joseph you said you lived at?' he asked. "'That is the name of an orphan home, isn't it? It seems to me I have heard of it.' "'Oh, that is where Mother Rose lives, and where my little friend Benny is staying. Father, you don't know how much I liked it there. But they are poor, and can't keep the boys as long as they'd like to.' Mother Rose and the sisters treated me so well. I used to have a fine little white bed, and I could go to Mass and Holy Communion every morning. I haven't been to either since I left there over two weeks ago. Dad wouldn't let any of the boys who stay with him go to Mass, and I know some of them are Catholics. Dad said it wasn't good for their business to go to church. He must have been a very bad man indeed. What kind of work did he do? He didn't work at all. He and his boys stole everything they could get their hands on. I told the cop on one of them, and he's in jail, and maybe he had to tell about the rest of them. I hope they are all in jail, except little Tim. He was very good to me. Do you really want them to be in jail? asked the priest gravely. Well, some place where they couldn't do harm, and could learn to do what is right. Well, my boy, there are better places than jail for that, Father Ryan told him. Then get them sent there, Father, Eddie begged. I never knew of any place like that. Seeing that Eddie was becoming upset by his questions, Father Ryan turned somewhat reluctantly from the subject and, rising from his chair, looked out upon the lawn. Many strange thoughts ran through his mind concerning the child. What should he do with him? Surely Eddie should not be left to drift from place to place, among all sorts of people, with no one to care for him. He was a Catholic child, and the sacred fire of faith which God had given him must not be allowed to go out. Yet Eddie had told him that he had not been to Mass for more than two weeks. He was still so young, it would not take long for him to get out of the habit of going altogether, if he had not someone to encourage him. Father Ryan never forgot he had been appointed by Almighty God as a pastor of souls. Now, though this lad did not belong to his parish, he still felt keenly an obligation to do whatever he could for him. He addressed Eddie once more. So you can sing, can you? Will you sing for me? I'd like to, but father, Eddie spoke the anxiety that was uppermost in his thoughts, I want to go to my friend who is going to take me as his pal. He was so good to me before I got an awful beating from dad, but I've not been able to find him since. I don't know where he lives, for I never traveled much on trains before, and I came here in the dark. 
Beating, said Father Ryan, startled. Who beat you, child? Dad did, and I was sick for two or three days. You see, I talked with a man in the train yards, and this was against Dad's orders. He didn't want any of us to talk to strangers, for he was afraid of being found out. We might tell his name and what he was doing. But I forgot what he told me and talked to a nice man who was sitting on the steps of his engine. He promised to take me with him if I would come back to him the next morning at nine o'clock. But I got such an awful beating that night, I couldn't get up the next morning. Realizing from Eddie's look that these memories were almost too much for the child to bear, the good priest went to the organ in the corner and, drawing him to his side, began to play a familiar tune. Oh, I sang that many a time, father, Eddie exclaimed. Isn't it called Home Sweet Home? Sister Adelaide used to play that in such a lovely way. She certainly could play, both the piano and the organ. Yes, my boy, that is Home Sweet Home. It was my mother's favorite, and is one of the few songs that I remember how to play. You see, I don't have very much time for music now. I'm kept pretty busy trying to devise means of paying the debt that is on the church. We are very poor people here. Would you mind singing Home Sweet Home for me, Eddie? It would give me much pleasure. I'll try, Father. Once more the good priest played the sweet old air, and the lad's clear voice filled the house with its echoes. The words themselves meant but little to the homeless wanderer. What did he know about the pleasures of a home? It is true he had some very faint recollections of once living in a home with his mother, but they were too vague to cause any sympathetic reaction. Many a time during the two stanzas, Father Ryan would have loved to stop playing and just listen, or even better, draw his little friend to his breast with a fatherly hug. He had never heard a child sing so sweetly. It was evident that some patient teacher had put in many an hour with him. That was great, Eddie, was his enthusiastic comment. My, but you can sing. Who taught you, child? Sister Teresa taught me how to sing, Father, and Sister Adelaide taught me how to play. They both live at Mount St. Joseph, and I wish I had never had to leave them. If you knew them, Father, you wouldn't blame me. I think all the sisters are just wonderful. The boys at the home cry when they have to leave. I cried, too, but it didn't do any good. Mother Rose said she'd be glad to keep me, but they are so poor. I'm going to help her when I get big. That's very fine of you, Eddie, responded Father Ryan, but you'll stay a few days with me, won't you? Why, Father? Eddie wanted to know. I'd like to have you sing at the bazaar, and that way you can help me to get some money to pay off the debt I have on my church, and then I'll be able to pay your way to this friend, this man for whom you have such a great liking. That is, of course, you can go to him if I find he is as good as you think he is. So will you stay with me now, Sonny? Yes, Father, I'll stay if you promise to help me find him. You'll think he's great. He liked me very much and was so big and strong that I am sure Dad will not dare to hurt me if I am with him. He is a fine man, and I pray every day for him. I know that my prayer will be heard, and that I'll find him. He has no mother either, and his poor wife died about a week before I met him. Yes, my boy, I'll do all I can for you, you may be sure of that, the priest assured him. I'll take you to our organist today, and she will teach you some new songs. My people will be delighted to hear you, and we may be able to find out from some of them where your friend lives. I have many railroaders in my parish, and you can meet some of them. 
you know in small towns people know one another better than they do in large cities trust me my boy i'll do my best for you end of chapter 9 recording by maria therese